favorite next storyteller. It's next storyteller. Your next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Hello and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. On today's episode, we're sharing a story from Miriam Suzanne. She told this story in front of a live audience at Bumpboard Theater in June 2019. The theme of the evening was framed, and I think I'm just going to play my co-host Aaron's introduction from the live show. So enjoy. So your uh, final storyteller is an author. Uh, She wrote a novel on uh, 250 shuffleable cards, so you can read it in any order you want. Uh, It's uh, called uh, Writing Side Saddle. She's also in a band uh, called Teacup Gorilla. Uh, I know her quite well. She happens to be my girlfriend. Uh, Please welcome to stage, Miriam Suzanne. Um, so last week or maybe two weeks ago, my dad sent me a newspaper clipping from the, uh, South Bend, Indiana post tribune, uh, December clipped from December 20, 1999. Um, there's a photo of me, uh, baggy jeans, Birkenstocks and socks because it was the nineties and I was into fashion, (laughs) uh, leaning against my bicycle, um, in front of a cabin, um, To quote the caption, I had been living rustically since September uh, when I moved into a small cabin at the edge of my parents' farm uh, on the Elkhart River. Um, An experiment in simple living, says the caption. And that's fair. Um, I had a hand pump over the sink uh, and an outhouse and some Coleman lanterns and a wood stove for heat and a typewriter to do my senior high school homework. I read a lot of Thich Nhat Hanh in that cabin and wrote some really mediocre poetry. <laughs> what one of my writing friends recently called poemy poems about stones. I like that. <laughs> the article also says I had aspirations towards a monastic life after high school. And I don't remember monastic plans. Um, <laughs> Now I'm a software developer, and I'm in a band, uh, and if I want to write mediocre poetry, I walk to the Bardo coffee shop and listen to Lizzo on my AirPods. Like, it's, it's not monastic. It's not rustic. Um, yeah, so I don't know what happened. This is going to be one of those, like, I'm reframe, you know, like, frank, no, doesn't, it feels cheap at the narrators to, like, I'm going to reframe a narrative. Here's the headline from the article. Teen son lives like Thoreau, says dad. So I didn't keep reading the article. I went back to watching Project Runway. Um, Because, like, Bishmay is great and Garo's a hack. But, uh, yeah, so I've been thinking a lot about change, like big identity change. Like, what happens when your identity changes? I was raised Mennonite. Um, but at some point that label stopped making sense, not Mennonite. Um, I was raised a boy too, and clearly that didn't stick. Uh, and I was married once and, you know, things change. Um, yeah, uh, but I remember talking to my aunt. I would go over to her house during the divorce, uh, and we'd sit around talking late at night. Uh, and I remember her saying, you're ready to start dating again when... Uh, the stories you tell don't involve your ex. 
Uh, when she's not part of those stories, that's how you know you can date again. And it's not a perfect rule. You should date again when you fucking want to. <laughs> but I liked something about that, something about like the importance of, I don't know, storytelling in guiding our lives, and not in some spiritual way, but like very practically, like the stories we tell are us uh, and reflect us, and it takes time to rewrite those stories or relive those stories, to live new stories. Um, and if we're going to change, we have to take that time to have a new narrative uh, that is us, um, which is super awkward because here I am talking about my ex 15 years later. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, Aaron. <laughs> I'm not ready to date yet. <laughs> but back then, living in a small community, small Mennonite college town, everybody knows everybody, everybody knows us. Uh, I had to tell that story over and over, like, wh why did you leave? Why did you leave? Uh, and, you know, it, I realized very quickly that it wasn't okay uh, and that I was supposed to defend myself, give an explanation, uh, this is, this is me talking to the jury, um, explaining why I left. Uh, and I hated doing that. And I, I could tell a story that excused me from the relationship, but it just felt gross at that point. I didn't, like, trust me. Why, why do I have to? It was bad. I left. Trust me. I think about smaller changes, too. Like, I remember when I moved to Denver... I remember driving in on 76, and I've never been able to recreate this image that I have in my head of it. Um, memory is fickle like that. But I was coming down on 76. It was uh, early evening. I saw the sun setting over the mountains straight west, and to the south there were clouds rolling in uh, behind the city skyline over the mountains, uh, and lightning strikes on the other side of the city. And that's not a thing you have in Indiana where you can sort of see a storm over there. Like, there's a storm somewhere else, and I'm watching it, and there's a sunset in another place. Like, we didn't have that. <laughs> uh, and it, I don't know, it, it, was, uh, it was new to me, and it felt so spacious, and like, there's space, there's room to grow. I can, I can disappear into the city. I can be in crowds. Like, I would go down to 16th Street Mall and walk the mall just to be part of a crowd, and I mean, like, I wouldn't do that now. That was, you know, 2007. You can walk 16th Street Mall. Um, <laughs> wasn't this same gentrified mess. Uh, I don't know. Something about people would have thought living in a cabin in Indiana is the, the nice, quiet place, and then the city is loud and bustling. And for me, it was the opposite. It was like there everybody knew me. Everybody had an opinion about my life, and here I could disappear and find space and see a distance. Uh, there's more to the world than just me and just right now and just right here. Um, later that year, I was on tour with a theater show back through the Midwest. Uh, well, actually, so uh, when I got here, I, I felt like, oh, I'm finally home. I finally have a home. This makes sense to me. This feels right in a way that Indiana didn't for me. Uh, and, but people would ask me where I was from, and I had to say, well, I'm from Indiana, but it felt wrong. It didn't, it was like, but that's not my home. Like, this is, I've already updated that part of the story, and why can't you catch up? You're asking the wrong question. Um, my home is here. 
Um, but then I went on this tour back through the Midwest, and on tour, they'd ask me where I was from, and I was like, Denver! <laughs> I'm from Denver! Not realizing that we would like legalize shrooms and make homeless illegal, but um, you know, we've done better. Okay. I want to know what happens to that old story when a new story comes along. Like, right, we rewrite the story, and then what happens to that old one? Because we sort of rewrite that old part, too. Uh, and, and then what? Um, and that happens again when I come out. That's 2015. I'm coming out, and again, I'm put on the spot a lot, uh, tell the story, like, why, why are you allowed to transition? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, it was bad, and I left. Trust me. Um, like, this frame fits better to my story. I, that was weak. <laughs> really sorry about that. <laughs> but why do I need to explain myself to you? And the story we often expect to hear is something like, uh, born this way, something, something, wrong body. I don't even know what that means. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I just had to get some more estrogen up in there, and we're good. <laughs> like, that's not... I, yeah. But... I also do remember being that boy in the cabin, being interviewed by the South Bend Post-Tribune. Um, and at the same time, I remember all along not being that boy in the cabin. I don't know. Like, both of those stories are true, and there's no way for my new story to take over the old one. And there's no way for the old story to be right either. Both stories are wrong. There's never going to be a way to quite put them together. We grow, we change, we have a new story, and we have to bring people along, and we have to tell that story. There's a reason we have to tell that story. We have to, otherwise nobody can follow along with us as we grow. Um, we have to get our stories straight. I mean, not, you know. <laughs> but I wasn't born this way, exactly. Like, I grew into it. Like, every child grows into their adult narrative. And I chose it. Like, I saw my options, and I was like, yeah, estrogen. <laughs> cool. <laughs> that one, I chose that. And I'm proud of that choice, and I'm happy I chose it. And choice is good. We like choice. And why do we have to come up with narratives that, like, it's okay because I didn't have a choice? Why is that always the thing that we try to do? Um, I had choices, and I made choices. And at the same time, like... I was born with that choice in me. Like, there is this aspect of, like, that was, that was in me uh, to grow into that choice. Um, because, you know, biology and choice aren't actually at odds. They happen together. That's life. Things change. We grow. We actually are meant to grow. I got Erin to read the rest of the article to me out loud. She translated it so I could hear myself in the story. Teen daughter lives like Thoreau, says dad. Miriam needs space and quiet. Now she's got that. I don't know why they mostly interviewed my dad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting to read that or hear it, knowing what I know now about myself, about my very loud father. Of course I needed space. <laughs> about being introverted, an activist, a writer, caring about the world. What I've done with those rustic, monastic feelings uh, they grew too. They're not gone. They changed. Uh, now I live alone 
in a flat just off South Broadway, down the hall from my partner. If she still likes me after I talked about my ex. Jeez. They didn't disappear, they grew with me. And like, sorry, yester me, like, it didn't shit still bad in the world. Um, but you get to be a girl, and you get a space of your own, and you have a partner down the hall. And after many failed U-Haul lesbian relationships, that works great. <laughs> um, and I foibled my ending, so thank you. <laughs> Keep it going for Miriam and all the storytellers tonight. The Narrators is produced by me, Ron Doyle, and Aaron Rollman, with help from Karen Wachtel, Jesse Witten, Scott Carney, and Sydney Crane. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Bumport Theatre Company, Illegal Pete's, From the Hip Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whalehawk, and we'd also like to thank Miriam's band, Teacup Gorilla, who provided the outro music you're listening to right now. You can find a link to their music in the show notes for this episode. Our live shows take place every third Wednesday of the month. You can find more information about those shows on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or at our website, thenarrators.org. And whether you're new to this podcast or you've been listening for years, please take a moment to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps others find the show. We'll be back next Friday with a new story. And until then, thanks for listening. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah.